result. You are now tuned into Pulse Pounding with Mickey Dillon. Hello, slut fucks. <laughs> I don't think I invented that word, but I just thought of it and I like it a lot. This is the third time I've tried to sit down and record this. And honestly, it will be the last. Whatever happens here is going in this episode because I cannot fucking repeat myself one more time. I didn't like this when I recorded it stoned. I didn't like this when I recorded it drunk and I don't like it when I recorded it sober so honestly maybe it's just me maybe it's a me issue I don't like me what else is new <laughs> I don't like my whiny voice but you know what some of you do I don't know why but it is what it is welcome to a special episode of pulse pounding if you're new here welcome if you're not new and you're a returning listener welcome back you're probably wondering what on god's fucking earth is going on here what the fuck is pulse pounding where is the mouse trap? Where is your mouse logo? I am here to explain all of that to you on a very special episode in bed with Mickey Dillon. Some of you may have been here before. <laughs> just kidding. Nobody's been in this bed. Just one. There's only one man that's been in this bed and he's not here right now, but he was a few hours ago. It is 930 in the morning. And for those of you that know me well, you're probably thinking, what the fuck are you doing awake? You sleep till 1130 minimum. I have been up since 730. Not by choice, but here we are. I am caffeinated. Well, you know, I'm like low-level caffeinated. We're two cups in. Our Lord and Savior Mariah Carey is here looking over this as she hangs above my bed. Just to visualize, I have a large poster of the butterfly cover that I have had since I was a child. Well, I mean, it's not the exact one I had, but it's the same poster, same picture that I had hanging in every room because I moved around a lot. So everybody take a moment to make the sign of the cross and thank Mariah Carey for being here to watch over us. And now that I think about it, I realize that she watches me have sex over my bed and that feels really uncomfortable <laughs> because Mariah Carey is basically a distant family member in my life. She's like one of those cousins that you never really see because they're too busy and they're too good for you because they're rich and doing their thing. Mariah Carey is like my cousin that I don't see. <laughs> that I haven't seen in fucking years. <laughs> but I watch their life on social media and their kids grow up and all that nonsense. That's what she feels like to me. So she can't be in the room anymore when I'm doing adult business. I'm going to have to hide this poster during those times. Uh, good to know. I wish I could set the scene of this room. Maybe I'll like take pictures or something and post them when I put this episode out. I've got my lava lamp on, my sparkly lava lamp that I've had since I was a child. I love it so much. My crystals are out on my moon shelf. Like I've got the candles lit. It's really like a vibe in here. You would never know it's daytime with these curtains. <laughs> and this is my new podcast studio, Laying in Bed laying in bed with this piece of shit loser microphone stand. I have like three of them at this point from Guitar Center. It's the biggest piece of shit I've ever purchased in my life. It has no weight at the bottom and just the weight of the microphone on top constantly causes it to fall over and I'm sick of the shit. I'm sick of the shit. I should sue for the quality of this product. I'm very tired today. I don't Who cares, honestly, but I'm just, I'm exhausted. I don't know why. 
Probably because I only slept for fucking three hours. So let's get right into it. I started making my videos on Instagram. First of all, honestly, I'm trying to still learn how to not breathe for an hour during this podcast. I can't listen to myself breathe anymore. Do people breathe on podcasts or do they edit it out? Because I try to edit it out sometimes, but it's a lot of fucking work. How do I just not breathe for an hour like Ariel under the fucking sea? Anyway, I made my first of my Instagram rant style videos during the election of 2016. Remember that fucking time? Remember when we thought that was the worst it could get? Well, the joke was on us. I watched that video recently. It's the worst fucking piece of shit thing I've ever seen in my life. It is not funny. The timing is terrible. The editing is terrible. It's awful. But you know what? It got us here. So it is what it is. It was the jump off point of something better. So I used to make those videos like probably once every couple months when something weird would happen. Like I wasn't really taking it seriously or thinking it was that funny, but like some people said it was funny. So I kept doing them. And then lockdown happened. And that's when I started to be so fucking bored and so confused about what to do with all my new free time that I just started making those videos like literally every day. I think like 2018 was when podcasts started to get really popular. And I was like, I should do something like that. But then I procrastinated because what do we do? We let self-doubt creep in and we tell ourselves, I can't do that. Who wants to listen to me talk? Nobody, not even myself. Who can afford all that equipment? It's probably $9,000. I don't have a studio. I don't know how to edit audio. I don't know how to use any of that stuff. A million excuses of why you don't do something that is perfect for you. (laughs) So I guess over like the next year, I was like, I should really do this. I think I could be good at this. And I had two options, right? I could take the pop culture culture route I've always been obsessed with music. The way I watch and follow music is like the way most men follow sports. I don't give a fuck about football or baseball or any of those stats, any of that bullshit. But I could tell you what was going on on the pop charts in 1999. (laughs) It's always been my thing. So I knew I wanted to incorporate talking about music somehow. Then I was thinking, do I want to talk about pop culture and what's happening? Almost like a radio station, right? Like almost like e-news. Or I could do more like of a journal style. I could do more like the videos I make where I talk about real life shit, what's happening to me, what's happening to people around me, friends, family, things that people submit and, and email in. Just make it more like a conversation between friends, me and you. <laughs> And I wasn't sure. And honestly, then I just spent the next fucking year not even thinking about doing a podcast anymore. I mean, I thought about it, but I didn't make any take any steps towards making a show. So 2020 comes, we get locked in the house. I start making my videos more often. Those start to get views for the first time. Like I remember the one I made about my ex with his stimulus check. Oh my God, that's one of that's probably my favorite one. <laughs> that and the Fire Island video. It got like 20,000 views on Facebook. And Facebook is like such an underrated platform. It's the most used social media platform. I think it's in the country. I don't know about the world, but I think in the United States, it's the most used one. And I know everyone associates Facebook with their crazy great aunt or grandma who spews their political opinions and fights with each other. And trust me, I get it. That's there. I see it too. But it's the most shareable when you're posting some sort of content like videos. It's a different 
format than when you post things on Instagram and people can share it to another person or their stories. But when you're sharing something to your profile on Facebook, it obviously goes to your whole feed of people. So if you have 400 friends and you share it to your feed, well, now when your 400 friends are scrolling through, they're going to see the entire post. Unlike Instagram, where after it disappears from your fucking story and who even pays attention to what's on your story and clicks into it. So Facebook became my market. Fast forward to obviously the restaurant video, got half a million views, which was like one of the craziest fucking things. And now I had this new community of people on Facebook that were not my friends and family. They were all strange new friends from all over the country. And I was like, wow, I should really start this podcast because I have this new community of people who are watching what I'm doing. Like I might as well start it now. Did I start it now at that time? No, I didn't. No, I fucking didn't. So 2021, I buy all the equipment. I go out and I spend like $5 million on all of this shit. And it sits in my closet for months. And I had already texted Amy because I had thought to myself, we're going to take the pop culture out. This is what we're going to do. And I didn't think that I could do that by myself. And I still don't think I could do that by myself. It's super boring to talk for one whole hour to a wall and nobody give their input or bounce off of someone when you're talking about that kind of stuff and those kind of topics. It just doesn't make sense. That's why all of those shows are like a round table or a couple different people, you know, like you always have to have a conversation about that stuff. So when I was trying to think of people that I wanted to host a show with, some kind of co-host, I couldn't think of anyone. I was trying to think of like, who would have a good dynamic with me? Who would bounce off of the things that I say, the crazy shit I say, right? And I couldn't think of anybody for the longest time. And then I was like, oh my God, why wouldn't I ask Amy? We're so funny together. We have a great dynamic. People always love when we like bullshit together and we're around friends and and stuff. Like everyone thinks it's funny. That's the perfect person to do a show with. So I hit her up. She was down. I said, let's get together after the holidays and figure it out. A whole nother year passed. We still had done nothing. But at that point, I had had the equipment in my house for a while. Fast forward to the holidays 2021. And I was like, I got to get this equipment out of my fucking closet and use it. I spent all this money on this shit and I just have not done a fucking thing with it out of procrastination and doubting that I could do this. But like, who, who cares? What's the worst that happens? I fucking sit down for an hour and talk in front of the microphone. And I'm like, this is a big piece of shit. And I suck. like, who gives a fuck? So Christmas 2020, I'm locked in the house with COVID. I got, I got the plague. <laughs> and I texted Amy and I was like, we're fucking doing this right after the holidays. We're getting together. We're figuring this out. Fast forward. And I decided in January that I was going to post the logo and I was going to post all the shit and say show starts in February because I knew <laughs> if I just told everyone when I was going to do it and I gave myself a deadline, I would have to do it. Otherwise, I would look like a fucking asshole. And when I tell you I sat in front of that computer in front of my laptop for hours every night. I probably would get home, take a shower from work, and I would be in front of my computer from like 11 o'clock midnight until literally 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning sometimes. (laughs) 
figuring out what other equipment I needed, pieces I was missing, things I needed to add, how to edit audio because I had only ever done video. Obviously, it's com it's a completely different program and there's 5 million programs to choose from. What's the best? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I make intro music? And then the podcast part is a whole separate thing. There's like a million different podcast hosting sites now, which you need to use if you don't know about that. You upload your show into like one hub it's a um a specific website and you upload that to your account and then it pushes it out to all the different streaming services like apple and spotify amazon google whatever else we're on that i don't fucking remember but it sends your episode out to all those platforms so you don't have to do each one individually but then there's a million different hosting sites and they all have different features and different membership prices and all this shit that i just knew nothing about so it took me weeks to figure out all of that stuff. And then when we finally got to the point of recording episodes, now I had to edit for the first time. So something that now takes me two hours to edit was taking me four and a half hours to edit because I was trying to learn as I was going. So that's all fine and good and great and loved every second of it. So then we started the show and the show was great. I loved the weeks that we did. I love Amy in it. I loved our dynamic together. I thought it was like so natural and it was funny and it was quick and everyone else liked it too. Every, everyone that I got feedback from said it was great and they loved it. And I have a lot of people <laughs> that I ask for feedback from, or I guess it's not a lot. It's a few people that I know are going to tell me the honest truth. And if something sucks, they're going to tell me something sucks and not just tell me what they think I want to hear. And I appreciate that. And I love that. So I was asking uh, my critics, as I call them, and every everything was going great. I was super impressed with Amy when we did the prelude episode because everyone thinks that this is so fucking easy. Everyone thinks that you sit down in front of the microphone, you put the headphones on and you just talk like you would talk to anyone else. But then when you actually sit down to do it, you're like, oh, even though no one's here and no one's in this room, it's intimidating and it's weird to talk to someone else who's sitting across from you, but you're listening to them through headphones. And then you throw someone like Amy on a microphone who's never sat down and done anything like this. I had had a few experiences where I had done something like this before, so I felt a little more comfortable. So how good she was the first time we did it when we put up the prelude episode was so impressive to me and I left there so excited. I was like, this is going to be great. This is so perfect. I made all the right choices. And it was, it was awesome. But I guess like three, four episodes in, I started thinking to myself, like, did I make the right choice? Did I make the right choice in the sense of the structure? Do I really want to be talking about this pop culture bullshit every week? Yeah, I do want to talk about that, but I don't want that to be all I talk about. And now I've created the structure with this show where everyone is expecting those who are listening that this is what I'm going to talk about. This is this is how the show goes every week. So I started thinking about how I wanted to change that dynamic. And then I started thinking about how I thought I made the wrong decision. Sometimes you have to do something one way to realize that you should have done it another. So I feel like I realized, uh-oh, I made a mistake here. I should have went the route where I made things more of like, almost like a journal where I just came on and talked shit about my life and what was happening and stories from people around me, stories that people submit. Of course, I've, I want to keep doing interviews, but a little bit of a different style, I guess is the right way to put it. I just started having second guesses about the whole structure of the show. And I felt like I should make it more like my videos, but less aggressive. <laughs> 
and less screaming. Although we will scream at some point, so don't think we won't. So I feel like once I realized that I wanted to do things differently and I wanted to move in a different direction, I was like, oh no. How do I tell Amy, this has been great. I love what we've done, but I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) And I want to do something different. And I felt so anxious and so nervous about having that conversation because I was like, what if she's so mad or hurt or upset that she doesn't want to talk to me? Like, what if she's like, fuck you, asshole. You let me tell all of my friends and family that we're doing a podcast together. We do it for five weeks. Everything's going great. And then you're like, huh, just kidding. I'm going to do something different by myself. What a dick move. I never want to be the person who disappoints anyone or like takes something away from someone, especially someone who's been such a great friend for such a long time like we've known each other for 10 years and we always come in and out of each other's lives just because you know like being adults and working and being busy it's a different friendship than friendships you have when you're like younger i guess is is yeah i guess it's that so Every time Amy and I come back together and, and we, we hang out a bunch, it's always the same. Like, we always pick up right back where we left off. And that's such an incredible friendship and dynamic to have with someone. So to think about the fact that you might do something, even if you don't intend to hurt someone, that may piss them off or upset them, and you run the risk of them not wanting to talk to you. Like, that's, a, that's an uncomfortable thought, you know? However... Anytime friends and family ask me for advice in a situation where they have to have a hard conversation, I always tell people, you have to be upfront, you have to grow a pair of balls and be fucking honest and just say how you feel. So who would I be if inauthentic? Who would I be to preach this shit to other people and not follow through and take my own advice? So after days of sweating profusely and not being excited... Amy and I sat down to a great Italian dinner at a great restaurant that is in the town that we grew up in. And we were the first ones there. They opened at like four o'clock. We were the first ones there. And they sat us at this back table in front of the wine cellar. And I swear to God, it felt like we were at a mob sit down. We were both saying that at the table. <laughs> I felt like I was in fucking a Bronx tale or mob wives having like a mob sit down. Minus the slapping the shit out of each other. But we'll get there. Don't think we're not getting to people slapping the shit out of each other if you catch my drift we had a great conversation and honestly like we just literally talked about this bullshit for like (laughs) seven minutes of our two-hour dinner (laughs) so i couldn't be more grateful to amy for the show that we created and more importantly for being the gracious kind understanding and supportive person and friend that she is listening to me stumble through (laughs) explaining myself and what I wanted to do. And she's been so supportive over the past week as I've lost my shit trying to figure out this new show. And yeah, Amy will be back at some point to guest host with me and tell her wild stories (laughs) about her next vacation. It is not the last you have heard from Amy Sebs. Love you so much, Amy. If you're listening, you fucking better be, bitch. I may have to borrow Raja to bark in the back of some of my episodes. <laughs> oh, mother of fucking God, I just spilled the goddamn coffee on my kipmuck. Motherfucker. Ugh, I didn't even put a mattress cover on this goddamn new mattress yet. Fuck me. <sighs> so here we are, a solo journey. I am the Justin Timberlake of this podcast. <laughs>
<laughs> what is pulse pounding? Here we are, pulse pounding, episode three, but really episode one. Honestly, another thing I was thinking about when I thought I wanted to change the structure of the show, I'm like, I might as well take this opportunity to change the fucking name and change the imagery because Mickey Not the Mouse started as like a joke at an old job I had. This guy would always call me Mickey instead of Michael. Um, and he started calling me Mickey Mouse. He'd be like, oh, Mickey Mouse. And I was like, no, not the mouse. I am not for children. I am so fucking inappropriate. And that it was just catchy. I thought it was funny. So I changed, I made that my Instagram name in like 2014 or 15. And then when I started making the videos and that became more popular, it just became what people started to call me. And I did a couple podcasts over last summer, shows that people asked me to be on. And that's how they introduced me. And then I went to the radio station last month and that's how she introduced me. And that's no fault of anyone else because that's what I've been kind of marketing myself as. It's on the sweatshirts that I never fucking put out. (laughs) It's on all the pictures, like the podcast came and I kept with the theme, the mousetrap, you know? So like, it's nobody's fault but my own, but I recognized that I wanted to to step away from that a little bit. I don't want that to become my identity. I don't want that to become the name that's used for other projects when I start doing stand-up, which is coming. I don't want to go by that fucking name. Like it's it's fun and catchy and stuff and it was it was fun for Instagram, but like that's not what we're doing. So I decided that if we were gonna change the show and change the structure and we are gonna start something new, we are pulling the mousetrap. The mousetrap is dead done and over and i also am not going to set myself up to be sued by disney for my fucking mickey mouse logo although i do wish that they would have sent me a cease and desist by this point because that would have been really great for promo when i started the first episode of the mousetrap i was saying i don't want to do interviews for the first couple weeks I want to get comfortable with doing the podcast and the structure of the show and Amy and I doing everything together and the whole thing. I wanted everybody to get comfortable. However, right before we're about to record the first episode a couple days prior, Fifi Dobson, who I absolutely love, everything I said in that interview was 100% true. The stories that I told about the guitar and the record store and all that shit was true. I've loved her since I was a kid. She starts posting about her musical comeback, about her singles coming out, and she's coming back full force, right? And I'm like, how cool would it be to interview her for the podcast? And then I'm thinking to myself, who the fuck do you think you are? This bitch has been on TRL. She has sold hundreds of thousands of records. She is going on entertainment tonight to talk about her musical comeback. You think she wants to come on your rinky-dink bullshit ass show? I didn't even have an episode out at the time. I did not have one fucking episode out and I was like, who do I think I am to think I'm interviewing Fifi Dobson for episode one? But I thought of the gay old saying, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So I said, get your ass up or actually sit your ass down on the couch and send that fucking Instagram message. So I messaged her. She put me in contact with her manager I emailed him and I paced around my apartment for the next two days waiting to see if there was some chance I would be allowed to interview Fifi Dobson. And the morning I woke up and I got the email about scheduling it, I was running around this place so excited that I had booked my first real guest and couldn't believe that it would be episode one, someone I really just loved and respected my whole life. 
an artist that was really important to my childhood and my formative years and my love of music. It was, it was so exciting. Fast forward to the interview and... <laughs> Fifi Dobson pops on the screen of our Zoom call, which leads me to almost throw up. <laughs> I stumble through my intro that I wrote out with my voice shaking, which you can still hear on the recording. And the night before, my boyfriend had given me this book called Words to Sell. It's basically like a thesaurus of like sexy words that you can use to replace your bullshit words. And he bookmarked me all these really great pages. So cute, so thoughtful. Something that I came across that I used and put into the intro was pulse pounding. I thought that was like so attention grabbing and catchy. And I was like, this is fucking great. And I immediately thought to myself, like, fuck, if I hadn't put out this shit and told everybody about the mousetrap and announced everything and fucking made all this marketing and had my graphic designer drop this logo, like I would totally change the name to pulse pounding. That is so cool and so catchy. But of course, you know, we were already moving in a certain direction and I hadn't realized that it wasn't the one I wanted. (laughs) But even when I read the intro out loud, Phoebe Dobson was like pulse pounding. That's good. I like that. I'm like, I know it's so good. That should be the name of my show. So whatever. When I decided that we were going to change things up, I was like, honestly, we should just change the name, move on from the mousetrap, move away from that whole theme. And I was like, here we go. We're going to use pulse pounding. This is fucking it. Pulse pounding is anything you want it to be, anything that gets you going in a way that's exciting, in a way that is scary, makes you nervous, makes you anxious. It could be a beat, a pulse pounding beat. Woo! (laughs) Yeah, it is what it is. It encompasses everything. I want to move forward with this new show and keep some elements that I like, but do something different. I don't want to talk about fucking Kim Kardashian and what she did this week and what those fucking assholes are doing on the internet, but we will still have a shitstorm, I'll tell you that. I just want to have more conversations. I still want to talk about music. I still want to interview artists that I love, but I want to also interview people about different topics and different subjects. I want to talk about real life shit as well. Things that I'm going through, things that you're going through, things that people around me are going through, things that you guys send in and email me. Who knows what the topic and subjects of each week will be, but I just don't want it to be so limited to pop culture. And I feel like the people who are listening were expecting something different from me when I said I was going to do a podcast and people have given that as feedback. And I feel like now people have come to expect a certain structure with the mousetrap because I've said it that way. So we're making a change. It's a new show. It's a new day. It's a new era, if you will. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen next, but we'll have something for you. We'll have something for you next week. And by we, I mean me. And that's that. It's me, Pulse Pounding with Miggy Dillon. Make sure you are following the Instagram at Pulse Pounding. The mousetrap is dead, done, and over with. And make sure you are following me if this is the first time you're listening and you are not. It's at Mickey Not The Mouse on Instagram, and it will remain that way. <laughs> We're changing, but not that much. Make sure if you are listening on your favorite streaming service, such as Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon podcast? Did I say that? Fuck. I don't know how many things we're on. I think that's it. Whatever. Whatever one you're listening to, make sure you give me five stars, you fucking bitch, and make sure you leave a goddamn review, nasty ass hoe. <laughs> 
sitting over here staring at your screen, not leaving a fucking review, not leaving five stars, not following the Instagram. Rude. Fucking rude. Okay, let's get into our internet shitstorm of the week because you know I'm not going to leave you without that. Honestly, I am so tired of talking about this goddamn subject already. I am sick of this shit. However, I have gotten quite a few messages on Instagram and quite a few people in my real life have said, I wish that you were doing an episode this week. I cannot believe that this is the week that you're skipping because I would really love to hear you talk about this. So you know what? When the people ask for something, you got to give them what the fuck they want. This week's internet shitstorm is Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock. Where do I even start? I have always loved and respected Will Smith as an actor. I think he is so incredible. Loved the Fresh Prince growing up. Loved Independence Day as a kid. That was one of my favorite movies, weirdly enough. Although the end part where it's like half person, half alien really fucking creeped the shit out of me, but I still watched it anyway. (laughs) That was weird. It was weird looking. I fucking hated it. It freaked me out, but whatever. Always loved Will Smith. The Pursuit of Happiness. What an incredible movie. What an incredible performance. He's great, right? Some Somebody that I cannot stand. One of those people who you just can't believe you don't like so much because you don't actually know them, which doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. How could you dislike someone you don't know and you've never met? Well, you know what, Jada Pinkett Smith? I know how now, you motherfucker. I can't stand Jada Pinkett Smith. You are not a good actress. I have never seen you perform well in anything. Scream is my favorite horror movie franchise, and you fucking ruined the opening of Scream 2 with your goddamn terrible acting. That is one of the worst, most inauthentic death scenes I've ever seen in my life, and I couldn't be happier or more grateful that her character bites the bullet and drops dead in the first fucking seven minutes. The way she just screams and whines as if she's dying from being stabbed, what an awful performance. What a terrible actress. The acting is awful. And mind you, that bitch didn't have alopecia in 90 fucking whatever it was, 7-8 when that movie came out, and she was still a bald-ass bitch. So what was the excuse then? (sighs) Okay, so we all know we've all seen the clip. Will Smith is sitting in the audience in the front row with his cheating whore wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. Come slap me, bitch. I welcome it. Here's Will Smith and Jada Pinkett sitting in the front row of the Oscars when Chris Rock comes out and makes a joke about G.I. Jane too. If you've never seen G.I. Jane with Demi Moore, she is a bald-ass bitch. Her head is shaped. (laughs) And Jada Pinkett Smith. Will Smith is laughing at this point because why? Because the joke was funny. Jada Pinkett Smith, her face turns. She makes the most disgusting and evil face I've ever seen on Oscars or television history. And somewhere between the camera cutaway back to Chris Rock, where he laughs and says, that wasn't even that bad because it wasn't. He could have said a lot of fucking things like a lot of other people have said about your bullshit relationship that the two of you have chosen to exploit in the public and on the internet. That is the thing that gets me the most about fucking people. Not to say that when celebrities talk about the public being involved in their life, that there's no validity to the difficulty of that, because I'm sure, regardless of the fact that you pursue a certain career or a certain 
industry just because you're expecting or not expecting. I mean, you should know what's coming, but I feel like certain things you can't prepare for and you think it's one way in your mind until you actually get there and you realize it's another. So I feel like it's one thing to think that your personal life is going to be exposed to the public, but I think once you get there, it probably feels different and is less manageable to some degree than you expected when the internet especially with social media and the headlines and the news and the TV and all that shit is pouring in their opinions to your relationship and to your life and that whole thing. The thing that I feel is different here is that these two have exploited it to the public themselves. They chose to go on her fucking stupid waste of time show that I don't understand why anyone watches. They chose to explain themselves when they didn't have to. They chose to detail certain situations that are none of anyone's fucking business. If you're in an open relationship or an open marriage or whatever, if you're doing whatever you're doing, you don't need to explain yourself to other people. If you ignore something long enough, it might disappear. If you don't fuel rumors, they'll probably die down to some degree. Even if it's still being talked about at some capacity, it's probably going to be less severe than it is in the moment. When you choose to make statements on something and to not only make statements but to have in-depth conversations for the public and then you're upset when that public makes comments voices their opinions and makes jokes about the situation that you gave them that is absolutely ridiculous second of all everyone and their mother one of the buzzwords i can't stand one of them is platform i'm so tired of hearing oh but when you have a platform shut the fuck up how about that another one i can't stand hearing anymore is predator predatory behavior <laughs> I, I get it. I don't think the subject is funny. I just think that there are these buzzwords that come out and it's like the hot thing to speak of or speak against and everybody starts using it. Like I never heard the word fucking platform before three years ago and now it's a nonstop conversation about, oh, but what are you doing with your platform? What about your platform? Fuck you and your platform. I'm tired of hearing about it. There was a point to that rant. Where was I before that? Fuck, I lost my train of thought. Fuck. What the fuck was I going to say? I really can't remember where I was. Oh, Predator. Predator. That's right. Jada Pinkett Smith is a motherfucking Predator, in my opinion. Okay? We talk about all these men and all these people who do this bullshit. And, ooh, it's predatory behavior. He's a Predator. And you're not wrong in most cases. Just because you're a woman doesn't mean you are exempt from that title. Okay? When you are banging your children's 25 year old friend as a 40 what is she for late 40s early 50s 50 something year old woman okay a, a young kid who is the age of your children who you take into your family because they are struggling with addiction and other issues and then you end up fucking sleeping with them during your open marriage that sounds predatory to me you are taking advantage of someone who you know is in a vulnerable position and riding their face and then you continue to tell the story and speak about it publicly whether they were okay with that or not it's just fucking weird and if that was a 50 something year old man and a 25 year old young girl 
who was friends with his children, we would be having a very different conversation, okay? So women and feminists who want to talk about, oh, men this, men that, you better keep that same fucking energy for women. Chris Rock comes out, makes the G.I. Jane joke. Will Smith laughs because it's obviously fucking funny. Jada Pinkett Smith's face twists into a fucking cinnamon bun. I don't know what the hell it would be. She, she looked ridiculous. Somewhere between the cutaway back to Chris Rock and the four seconds that there was nothing happening. Will Smith gets up, walks on stage, slaps Chris Rock in the fucking face, walks back to his seat, continues to scream, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. To which poor Chris Rock who is just standing there stunned, doesn't know what to do. They should have cut to commercial is what they should have done. It was absolutely ridiculous. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't watch it live on television because who fucking gives a shit about the Oscars? So I don't know exactly how it was handled. I just saw the clip online. Will Smith continues to take his seat. And then what? Nothing happens? We just continue the show as if nothing happens. And then he goes up there to accept his... Um, best what was it what did he win best actor i don't even care i don't even fu- i couldn't give a shit less about the oscars the only award shows i care about are the music award shows that's all i've ever cared about and i'm just there to see the performances and who's going to win the award of the night and honestly those award shows have just become the biggest fucking joke in america and they are so irrelevant at this point remember the back in the day when stars showed up to the award show when you would see them pan the crowd and it was nothing but huge stars instead of all these fucking tiktok people that show up there now give me don't even get me started goes up there to accept his award which is it's absolutely fucking incredible to me that he was not escorted out immediately for smacking someone in the face on national television in front of millions of people and gives this teary-eyed bullshit speech about how his life is imitating his art and he's here to protect people and love will make you do crazy things shut the fuck up and sit down you are a grown-ass man who cannot control their own emotions and actions so much so that you stood up and smacked someone in the face because your wife this is the problem your wife has made a fool of you for the past what two years let's say publicly who knows what's been going on privately your wife has made a fucking fool of you for the past two years minimum and you're gonna get up and take that out on chris rock of all people because he made a joke that you didn't like oh but mick she has alopecia you can't make fun of people's medical condition that's all i'm hearing all week it's fucking alopecia okay you're losing your hair he's not making fun of you because you have goddamn cancer okay let's let's reevaluate the severity of the situation well she's been talking about it very publicly and she's been very vulnerable well what a fucking inflated sense of self-importance to think that just because you have an issue and you've spoken about it publicly everyone must fucking know because everyone is sitting around dying to know 
what Jade, what Jada Pinkett Smith is saying, waiting on her every word about her life and experience. I don't know how close Chris Rock is to Will Smith and his wife. I don't know whether he knew or not. But in the event that he didn't know, it's absolutely fucking ridiculous. In the event that he did know, he could have made jokes as a comedian about way worse shit that's gone on in your lives other than your bald ass wife. And to be honest, I had no fucking idea she had alopecia. I didn't even look at her being a bald ass mr clean looking ass bitch weird because the bitch has been two inches from bald her entire life i mean i get it like she's had stages in her career if we want to call it a career where she's had longer hair but most of the times i've seen her in anything she's always had short hair that almost makes her look bald i've always made jokes in my own personal life about her being a bald ass bitch because that's her style and i hate her it's not as though Wanda Sykes showed up to the Oscars shaved bald and we would we would maybe ask ourselves like what's going on there is that like a style thing does is she is she sick Jada Pinkett Smith has always been fucking bald so I don't understand why everyone is acting like we should all know that she has something going on in her personal life that's number one number two they teach you when you are a fucking child in kindergarten keep your hands to yourself <laughs> You don't get to hit people just because you are unhappy or you don't like something someone says. Could you imagine if I went to the fucking grocery store and I didn't like something someone said on aisle fucking seven and I just slapped them in the face? I would be arrested and I would be on that crazy Karen's Instagram in no time. Someone would be filming me. I don't like this narrative of he's defending his wife. Well, you could have got up and walked out. You could have got up and said, fuck this shit. You could have yelled something from the audience like you did anyway. You don't get to hit people and all this conversation that we're having about race in america you a legendary black man will smith are going to get up and smack the shit literally assault i know that sounds dramatic when people say it but it is the truth it is it is assault you are going to get up as a legendary black man assault another legendary black man over your wife who has made the biggest joke out of you and what you stand for and what your stature is over the past couple of years over a hair joke that is the most fucking ridiculous shit i've ever heard will smith is a loser and i love the term loser i love to call people that when it's deserved because you could be in any place in your life you could have a lot of money you could not have a lot of money you could be successful you could be anywhere any place in life and it is a character trait if you are a fucking loser you will always be a loser regardless of how successful or accomplished you are will smith you are officially a fucking loser what a joke you made out of what was supposed to be an accomplishment and a great moment in your career not to say that the academy awards the fucking oscars are a goddamn joke anyway a bunch of people who sit around in a room all night to tell each other how fucking great they are and what hard work they do okay i am not going to down the fact that acting is an incredible talent one that i don't have however these people act as if they are curious cancer with the speeches they make and the way they regard themselves all it is is a bunch of rich you want to use the term privileged so much rich privileged people sitting in a room telling each other how great they are and jerking each other off money that they spend wasted wasted money on entertainment wasted money they spend 
hundreds of millions of dollars to make these movies and then get up on stage and tell you how you need to donate your hard-earned money, okay? Your $15 an hour at your local retail store. You need to donate to the people in Ukraine hundreds of millions of dollars to make these movies that no one would fucking miss to tell the story of two tennis players. That's what we really need in today's time. And again, I love movies. I love entertainment. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things. What I'm saying is it is so ridiculous for you to be so self-righteous and think that your opinion is so important because you have a platform that you're going to stand there and tell me where I need to put my money with all the money that you're wasting on nothing. What a fucking joke. What a fucking joke. And I blame America. I blame this country because we we contribute to this bullshit. We sit around and tell these people that they're important enough to act as though they're so important. And another thing, people keep bringing up the, the fucking, oh, well, this all started because Chris Rock made a joke at the the last time he hosted the Oscars. I don't know if it was, I, I want to say 2016, 18, I don't know. Whenever Chris Rock hosted the Oscars last, and he made a joke because Jada Pinkett Smith was calling for everyone on the internet to boycott the Oscars, not show up and not watch because of inclusivity and that it wasn't inclusive enough with black films and black actors, which is not a bad point. Uh, not a bad point at all. However, like Chris Rock said, how do you protest something that you're not invited to? Why the fuck would you ever think you would be invited to the Oscars if it wasn't for your husband, who's one of the greatest actors of all time. You are not anything. It doesn't make sense to me. You might as well be on fucking Basketball Wives, Jada Pinkett Smith. What the fuck have you done that is impactful other than your bullshit copy of The View with you stupid... Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't even take it. And then for this room full of ridiculous people to give him a standing ovation as if what he had just done was not despicable. I, I, ugh, the levels of this, are it's just unbelievable. So that's my opinion. I think Will Smith is a fucking asshole. And another thing I saw on the internet is people saying like, oh, well, if someone talks shit to your wife or your husband or your spouse, wouldn't you do the same thing? Wouldn't you defend them? We're not in a fucking bar, okay? We're not in a goddamn bar at 11 o'clock at night and someone just calls your wife a whore or tried to stick his fucking hand up her dress. Yes, you punch them in the face, 100%. This is a comedian making a joke, which you know is coming on a fucking bullshit award show. That's how these things go. You are expected as someone with that platform to act a certain way. You are held to a higher standard. If something offends you, if something pisses you off, you say something about it. You you talk about it at the party party. You go backstage and you tell Chris Rock, hey, I don't fucking like what you said. You deal with it internally. You don't get up on live television in front of the world and try to embarrass somebody. Like, it's so fucking ridiculous. Anyone who who has excuses to make for Will Smith is a fucking idiot. And that's all I have to say about that. Thank you and good night. And what a ridiculous inflated sense of self-importance with the speech he gave. I was put on this earth to protect people. What, what kind of excuse is that? You, you act like you are feeding the hungry, bro. You're making movies for people to spend their money on and watch and waste their time and money to just increase your net worth like you're saving the fucking world. What a joke. Hold on, I need a sip of water. This is hard to talk by yourself for an hour. <laughs>
lastly, I swear this is my last point. I can't stand that this is being turned into a race conversation because this has absolutely nothing to do with race, sexual orientation, open marriage, open relation, none of that shit. This has nothing to do with that. This is about respect, no matter which side you look at it from, whether you're on the side that you feel she was disrespected and you disagree with Chris Rock. You can't argue that Chris Rock was disrespected, no matter how much you don't like what he said or whatever the case is. This is an issue about respect, not race. This has nothing to do with protecting black women, because I've seen that narrative all over the fucking place. This has nothing to do with that. This has to do with making a joke about something that you agree or don't agree with and how you don't get to fucking hit people in the face because you don't like it. But if we want to play into that narrative, I think it's important to talk about how we would all be having a very different conversation if Chris Rock made a joke about Angelina Jolie and her struggles with weight and white ass Brad Pitt got up and went on stage and slapped him in the fucking mouth. I'll tell you what we wouldn't be doing is giving him a standing ovation if he won an award afterwards. I'll tell you what we wouldn't be doing is sitting him back down in his seat and letting him stay. I'll tell you what we wouldn't be doing is saying he was protecting his wife and you should too. So I think it's very interesting how all of a sudden the conversation turns when we want to have a conversation about Jada Pinkett Smith, who is a black woman, who is damaging to everyone around her. <sighs> All right, let's get into the Grammys. I want to talk about the Grammys, but not in the way that you think, because I don't give a shit about anyone or anything that happened at the Grammys other than Lady Gaga's incredible performance. Do I wish she would have performed something from fucking Chromatica? Do I think it's time to get back into that? Yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. A missed opportunity. However... She was excellent as usual. But what I want to talk about, what I want to talk about is Rufus Du Soul. If you know me or if you follow my Instagram, you know I love Rufus Du Soul. They are my favorite artists. They're in my top three favorite artists, the rest of which you should be able to figure out. And if you can't, I will leave that up to your imagination until further notice. I have been listening to them for like six or seven years now. I absolutely love them. Their music pulls me out of my darkest places. They never fail to put me in a good mood when I hear them. On my worst days, I love them so much. A few years ago, I reached out to them when their album Solace was coming out, and I asked them to draw me up a tattoo, write it out for me, because I wanted to get that tattooed, because that's what they are to me. They are my Solace. So I reached out last week and wanted to get some song lyrics from the newer album tattooed. And I said, let's stick with the theme. Let's get them to write it for me. Because I was thinking like, wouldn't it be cool if I did that every time? They only put out an album like once every three, four or five years. So wouldn't it be cool that each time I get something small that represents each different album? So I sent them a message. They responded. We were talking about what lyrics I wanted to get. And then like a week or two passes. And I wrote out the message of what I wanted the lyrics to be, what I wanted them to write for me. And then I didn't hear from them. And I know that they saw it because obviously when you open a DM, it shows that it's been seen. So I'm like, oh no, what do I do? This is like a situation where you're talking to someone new and you've been texting and you know the person read your message, but they didn't answer, but you're waiting for this response. So like, do I send the double text? Do I text them again? (laughs) 
I sent and unsent like three messages three separate times and like they wouldn't open it and then I would unsend it after like 20 hours. <laughs> what a fucking psychopath. And then probably like a week and a half after that, I'm like, at this point, I just gave up. I was like, you know what? It is what it is. They're fucking busy. They're at the height of their career so far. They just announced their tour, which I will be at. And they're going to the Grammys. Like, this is the third year that they are nominated for a Grammy. They better fucking win this time because it's bullshit that they have not before. Like, they're busy. They got shit to do. They're not worried about little gay me and my fucking bullshit tattoo that I want them to write for me, who I think I am to just reach out to them and have this shit done for me. And then I'm sitting down and I get a nice little notification. You have three new messages from Rufus Do Soul. And I wanted to throw up on the floor, open the message, and it's a picture of the lyrics that I wanted written out. And there's three of them and underneath it says here you go one from each of us and that was just more than i bargained for i don't even know what to do in that situation i'm like oh no how am i gonna choose which one and then i'm like fuck i need to find a way to mix the three i need to like put certain words and certain handwriting and put all three of theirs together and make one because there's no way that i'm gonna pick one of them so i messaged back and i was like which one's which and he was like i think it's john i think it's it's John that runs like the Rufus Jusol account and like answers my messages. And he was like, I'll tell you which one's which after you get the tattoo. And I was like, no, no, no. Joke's on you. I'm mixing all three <laughs> and turning it into one. I just love them so much. They are so incredibly humble and gracious. Like what a thing to do to take the time out of your day to like sit down together and write out this tattoo for some strange fan you don't know. Nonetheless, during Grammy weekend, like they're not just sitting in a house somewhere on break doing nothing. They're in the middle of an album cycle at the fucking Grammys, wondering if they're going to win their first Grammy of their career. And they're like, oh yeah, let's sit down and write out this tattoo for that guy that messaged just a week and a half ago. The fact that any of them even remembered that a week later to reach back out to me was so incredible so i was so excited about that have yet to get the tattoo i'll be getting that in the next couple weeks and then sunday night comes and i am at work and the grammys start at eight and now i know what happens here you know like the grammys do this thing where they give away like what do they give away during the course of the three hour fucking bullshit show that's full of commercials and nonsense anyway they could condense that whole show down into an hour hour and a half if they just cut out all the bullshit talking and the host and all that nonsense that no one cares about and half the fucking commercials that they don't need because does CBS not have enough money to put on the goddamn Grammys by themselves? Give me a break. So anyway, I know what they're going to do, right? They give out like 15 awards maybe over the course of the night. I don't know how many, but it's not a lot. And then they do like the pre-Grammys where they give away the rest of the fucking awards and there's a lot of those. So I knew and I was saddened that I wasn't going to get to see my Rufus Jusol accept their award on television if they won. So I get a notification because obviously I have them on notification. Rufus Jusol has just posted to their story. I open it and I see it says and the Grammy goes to and I swear to God I immediately started tearing up because I knew if they were posting and the Grammy goes to... Uh, 
on their story that they fucking won. And I'm watching them on their story in the video walk up to the podium to accept their fucking Grammy that is well-deserved and long overdue, nominated against some of the biggest stars in electronic music, Afrojack, I think David Guetta was in there as well, and Tiesto, especially the fact that it was best dance electronic recording that they won for their song Alive, and um, it was nominated against The Business by Tiesto, which was a huge, huge mainstream hit this year. So the fact that they won against that song and Tiesto is even more incredible because it really just shows the elevation of their music and their status, which is incredible. Not to mention that they won for the song Alive, which is where I pulled the lyrics from that they had just sent me the tattoo of three days prior, two days prior. So such a cool, surreal moment where I felt like so connected to the moment because they had just written out these lyrics for me a couple days before, and then they win a Grammy for that fucking song, the first Grammy of their career, their first time nominated. What an incredible moment. So proud of them. Honestly, it feels sometimes when you love artists so much for so long and you connect to their voices and their music and the words that they write in the songs that they write, it starts to feel like you know them even though you don't. And you know, and I'm like not one of those weird stalker fans who's like, I know everything about you and your birthday and your dog's name. But you start to feel like they're your distant friends, kind of, you know? So it's an incredible feeling and like weird kind of connected, but not when you see these people that you they're such a big part of your life, even though they're not in your life, you know, like their music is such a huge part of my life. So to see them win and to see them progressing and elevating what they're doing is so incredible to watch, especially for artists like them, where like, they're still not at the level that they will be in the future, but it's been such a slow build. I think they've been doing this for like 12, 11 or 12 years that they've been together and putting out music. So it's been such a slow build to get to this point, which isn't even the height yet. So that's so incredible to see happening and to watch. So congrats to Rufus Soul, John James and Tyrone, the men of my life, winning their first Grammy for best electronic dance recording. And that's literally the only thing I care about about the Grammys. Who gives a shit about the rest? Goodbye. All right, lastly, we're going to get into our newest segment, Slip or Slap, where we talk about this week's new music. Honestly, when I thought about talking about new music this week, I was like, well, I skipped a week and I didn't do an episode, so there's going to be a lot of music to talk about. And I was wrong. This was the best week to skip one and combine two in the conversation because the music was light. So let's talk about some songs that have come out over the past two weeks. Okay, first is Up at Night with Justin Bieber and Keelani. Love these like late 90s R&B pop vibes that have been coming out recently. This song is great. I love Bieber and his smooth voice, even though he's a shithead. Um, Keelani, I like don't really listen to that much, but there's songs that when I hear her, I like her and I like her voice. This song is awesome. A hundred percent a slap. I've been slinking around the house to this <laughs> since it came out on Friday. Such a dope song. And I love like the throwback sound to the late nineties. Cause it really takes me back. Next up we have warm embrace 
by Chris Brown. I love this one. I didn't really care for his last single. I don't know why. I love when he does like the upbeat pop vibe, but that one just like didn't hit for me. That was a slip. 100% a slip. Right on a banana peel. Um, But this is like classic Chris Brown, deep cut album style. You know, like I love when he does this kind of music it reminds me of the heartbreak on a full moon album a little bit um but i like it a lot it's super different from the last single so i'm interested to see where the next project is going like the full album um but i really liked this song a lot i love when chris brown does like percent a slap like give me stuff playlist okay follow me by pablo vitar and rina sawayama i fucking love this and pablo vitar did like one english song if you don't know pablo vitar he is a drag queen from brazil and he performs pretty much only in drag um but he sings and he's great most of his music is not in english so i don't really know what he's saying (laughs) but i like the videos um he did a song a couple years back with anita i believe and diplo which was super cool it was like his first big crossover mainstream moment and then he had a song out in english a couple years ago and he performed it at the pre-show for the vmas i believe but i haven't heard like i'm waiting for the big crossover like i don't know what the holdup is or what they're waiting for but this could be huge in america right now so this song is really good i love the pre-chorus and the way it's like kind of light and the vocals are kind of airy and light and then it drops and it's almost like talk singing at that point and that drop and that chorus kind of gives me like a little bit of 90s like clubby kind of vibes and i love that a lot so big slap for that big fat will smith slap (laughs) for pablo vitar last one by savannah ray and dylan sinclair is a fucking slap a slow jam savannah ray is actually new on my radar um fifi dobson told me about her during our interview she said that it was one of her favorites um of like new artists making music she's from canada also and i haven't really gotten into all of her music yet but i really love the song and i want to get more into her and she's somebody i'd like to have on the show at some point so she's awesome definitely check her out has anyone ever left you high and dry no that's not a question that's the song title it's by (laughs) elevation rhythm and ryan ellis honestly i don't really know how i can even describe this song to you you just have to listen to it it's excellent i don't really it's it sounds like a couple different genres really like it's it's a nice mix mid-tempo sexual vibes (laughs) i don't know how to describe it but it's really good check that one out that is definitely a slap this week i really don't think that we have any slips this week we are slapping along let it rain by Laven Kali. I have previously talked about Laven Kali on the mousetrap. So if you've been listening, you know I fucking love him. This is so great. He was posting on Instagram like two different clips of songs, and one was this one, which is super upbeat, and one was like slower. And I actually think I like that one better, but in the comments, people were writing like which one they wanted him to put out. And I wrote about this one and I was like, I like number two, but number one 
if it's for a single because it's super upbeat and like dancey. It's got like 70s vibes in there. He almost like disco. He really does like a funk R&B crossover sound and he does it so, so well. His voice is unbelievable. The production is always great. Um, I believe he plays some instruments as well. I always see clips of him in the studio, like in the mixing process. Like he's so involved in every part of the music. I just love him so much. I can't say enough good things about him. And every time he puts something out, it's just excellent. And he sounds great and it makes sense. And he knows what the fans want. Like he knows what people want from him so well. And I think that this song specifically is like a step in the right next direction for him and like it's his style and it's so signature Laven Kali but it's like a bit of a step up I feel or like a bit of a step in a different direction but still so authentic at the same time I think he's just so good at everything he does everything he puts out is excellent so definitely check out Let It Rain it is a hit it is a slap Okay, here we go. It is Big Energy, the remix by Lotto and Mariah Carey herself. Okay, so obviously Big Energy by Lotto came out, what was it, last year or beginning of this year? And obviously Fantasy by Mariah Carey samples um, Tom Tom Club's Genius of Love. But like for my generation and the generation before me and anyone who grew up in the 90s or was around in the 90s, like it's not Tom Tom's Club anymore. It's fucking Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Like, you know what I mean? Like no one hears this sample and thinks like, oh, that's that song from 19, what was it, 81, maybe 82? You know, like everyone's like, oh my God, Fantasy by Mariah Carey. That's what you think of. So I was seeing like the mashups on TikTok and shit and YouTube and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, imagine if they put Mariah Carey on a remix. And then here we come last week with a fucking announcement on Instagram, Lotto featuring Mariah Carey, the remix of Big Energy, My Dreams Come True. Because I fucking love this song before the remix. I just think the song's great and so catchy. All right, let's talk about what I don't like first. DJ Khaled, you are not the best. It is another one but it is not the best. Number one, I think DJ Khaled is pointless in every song that he's in. I don't understand how this happened, how he got to this place. I I just don't understand at all. I don't understand why people like him. I don't think his personality is endearing. I don't think he sounds good. As far as I know, he's not like a producer when it comes to making music. Like He just kind of yells on things, and that's it. (laughs) So for me, like, I'm never a fan of hearing him. And also, like, remixes to Mariah Carey, it's, like, such an important part of her legacy. Like, she is the queen of remixes. She's always made the best remixes of her songs. They've always been, like, whole new songs, whole new versions. It's never just, like, what the standard remix is today, where it's like, oh, here's the same song you've been hearing for the past fucking six months And now we just put someone else on it and there's a verse. You know, like she wrote and changed and arranged a whole new fucking song every time she did a remix. So when you have the queen of remixes on a remix of her own fucking song sample, it's just, it's such a mind blowing situation. I think that because 
Mariah Carey is such an important part of the song. It's her bringing her song into a reworked version of it. It's not just a feature on someone else's song. I think it would have been more important to her legacy and to the collaboration and to tribute ODB with someone better. I don't think that DJ Khaled in any way deserves to take the place of such an iconic song and line and all that shit. I feel like the beginning of this song should have been someone who was important to Mariah and her career, such as Jay-Z or Jermaine Dupree, somebody who just like made sense to tribute her in place of ODB. That's my only gripe with the song. Other than that, I fucking love it. I love her new fantasy vocals. She sounds great. I love the reworked vocals. I love her in the background doing the big energy parts. I guess that too. I would have liked to hear a little more of her having like maybe a new verse where she like wrote something new in addition to the updated fantasy vocals or maybe like a little more of her doing the big energy song lyrics like in the forefront but i love it i have been bopping around to this since it fucking came out and let's just play the opening like of course my bitch opened with a fucking whistle like can we even shut up dj Khaled. Like, what? Excuse me? One more time. One more time. Hello, it's me. I'm Mariah Carey, the legend herself, and I'm fucking here in this remix. Like, what a tagline. What an opener. Your literal tagline is your whistle note, your own voice. You don't even have to speak, and everyone knows what the fuck is about to happen. Slap, slap, slap me in the face. That's what this is. This is a slap me in the face. Okay, my final song of the week. My absolute favorite of new music in the past two weeks, taking the number one spot on Slip or Slap, the biggest fucking slap of the week, <sighs> or two weeks, Bree Runway, Somebody Like You. Bree Runway has been teasing her power ballad for probably like a week or two before its release, and it came out and it did not disappoint. It did not disappoint. What a fucking song. The vocals, the sound, the ooh, ooh, oohs. Woo! And as if the song couldn't get any better and wasn't the perfect release at the perfect time to be like, yes, I put out these fun songs. I talk my shit. Oh, but by the way, here you go. I'm just going to put this here and let you know that I can do this too. And listen to my fucking range and this voice. I don't have to just shake that ass on a beat, but I can. What an incredible release. The perfect timing for a song like this in the place that she's in and what she's doing and what she's introduced previously. This is the perfect time for something like this in her career. Being that it's so early, just to let everybody know, I'm not just this girl, I'm also that girl. The video, can we talk about the video? If you have not seen the video for Brie Runway, somebody like you, get the fuck on YouTube right now. Stop what you're doing. Open YouTube and search Brie Runway, somebody like you, and watch the motherfucking music video. Bitch, the richness, the budget. She said, hold my Balenciaga purse with all my money in it. I'm spending some, okay? Budget, on point, set, on point, outfits, 
Beyonce fan blowing her hair on point. And then this bitch, this bitch has the nerve to say, oh, this is a ballad. But you think I'm not going to pull out some choreo? You think I'm not going to do a little one-two step on your motherfucking asses on this ballad? That's right. My bitch pulled out some soft choreo. Hitting those marks. Hitting those, hit, hit, hitting those marks on a fucking power ballad music video. Fire, wind, earth. <laughs> when I tell you, I could jizz on the floor just thinking about it. Brie Runway is that bitch. And if you don't know it yet, you're going to find out this motherfucking year. So you better get on the boat. You better get on the boat before we fill up. Get your COVID test. Get your COVID test 72 hours prior. And hop on this motherfucking cruise ship before you get left behind on the dock. Ho. Brie Runway. Somebody like you, number one on this week's slip or slap, taking the top spot. Watch the video. <sighs> I also have purchased my ticket for Brie Runway in New York City, May 20th at the Bowery Ballroom. This bitch, she really, I'll tell you what, she almost got me this week. We almost had to have a conversation. We almost had to have a little fight. We had our first fight. This bitch says, by the way, American ass bitches, I'm finally coming to do a show at the smallest venue in America, in New York City. She, she's going to LA too, but we don't care about that because I don't live there. When I tell you, did I not fucking, like, I know the kids on TikTok, it's ooh, manifest, blah, 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 but like, did I not speak this into existence? I literally said like two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we talked about her on the mousetrap, I said, I need her to tour in America because I need to see her in a small venue before she blows up. And here we go, right? So the tickets go on sale at 10 o'clock in the morning. I am at my computer at 9.45 waiting for the shit to happen. I pop up at 9.15. I'm like pouring the coffee, getting ready to go, sit down in front of my computer and my phone open waiting for 10 o'clock to happen, okay? 10 o'clock happens and I grab the ticket. It's in the cart and I'm trying to like check out, but it's asking me for a password. It says, you need a password word to purchase this ticket. So I'm like, oh, I need to make an account, right? So I make the account. I go back in. I try to purchase the ticket. It says, you need a password. I'm like, bitch, I'm fucking logged in to this bullshit ass ticket website I've never heard of in my life. I'm logged in. What are you talking about? Then I realized there's a code, like a pre-sale, but she didn't announce on her story this is a pre-sale. She just said tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. So now I'm freaking out. I'm like, I don't have a fucking pre-sale code. I didn't know there was a pre-sale. She never posted anything about sign up for a pre-sale. What the fuck's going on here? Then I get to the comment section on the post. And I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm looking for comments. Like, please, somebody tell me about the pre-sale code. I get to the bottom and everyone's like, what the fuck? What's the code? What is this? What are you talking about? So they start posting the pre-sale code in the comments. I get the pre-sale code. I go back to the website. I'm like, we got tickets. We're going. I get to the page and I put in the pre-sale code and it says, sorry, no tickets are available at this time. Please check back later. <laughs> this bitch fucking sold out her first New York show. And I was devastated. I was messaging people who were on the post commenting, if you have an extra ticket, I want to buy it. I need tickets. Somebody, I need to sell me a ticket. All these scammers are in my inbox <laughs> saying, oh, send us money and then we'll send you the ticket. No, we won't use PayPal goods and services because we don't need to pay the fee. All this bullshit. Thinking it's my first day on earth and I'm going to fall for this scamming ass bullshit. Not today, ho. So I held out and I said to myself, well, if this sold out this quick, they obviously underestimated how many people are dying to see her 
her here, which I don't know how they did that. They should have known better in New York. You think the New York gays aren't coming out for my bitch? We're coming out. So I'm like, they're going to do a second show. They're going to add a second show, 100%. So like a week passes, and I'm like, oh, no, nothing yet, nothing yet. I feel like this should have happened like days ago, and then it happened. Tickets go on sale tomorrow, show number two for New York. And she writes, no pre-sale this time, ha ha. And I was like, fuck you, bitch. I got PTSD from trying to get Brie Runway tickets. Let me tell you something, okay? I'm not one of those people who's like, mm, I'm a bigger fan than you. And me, 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 me. If there's anyone in motherfucking New York who deserves to be at that Brie Runway show, it's me, okay? I am doing the work. I am screaming Brie Runway from the rooftops since the minute I found her. 2019 or 2020 i don't know i need to be there i need to be there because if i'm not i'm gonna stand outside the venue and cry and try to buy my way <laughs> try to pay off the security so we are going to show number two brie runway new york city in may i cannot fucking wait i cannot fucking wait please send me messages on instagram or something if you're also going because i'm going by myself but i like to go to certain concerts by myself i need to be focused but let me know if you're going to be there too We'll have to say hi. Also, if anyone from Brie Runway's team is listening to this, I would love to interview her. I've emailed her management probably seven times at this point. <laughs> and they must look like a psychotic stalker. But, you know, reach out. Would love to talk to you. All right, that's it. Hope you enjoyed this episode of me explaining to you my life choices and difficulties. <laughs> See you bitches next week. <laughs>